4: Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson.
5: A warm and from Lilo. Welcome to Love Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson. Now part of the Beeson Family Podcast and we've got a great podcast for you. It's in the second segment, going to be joined by Ariel Epstein. Does a great job over there at MLB Network and Yahoo Sportsbook. She's going to be joining me to talk about what we're seeing out there in New York as she is actually going to be joining me live All the Mets versus the Dodgers game is wrapping up. We wind up doing it right around, I would say, about 3.40 p.m. Pacific time. So you're going to hear a little bit of noise in the background. She was at the game. So... Fittingly enough, got to ask about what we can expect out of the Dodgers today. Going to ask about the Mets and the Yankees, their outlook. What we're going to be able to expect out of the Yankees against the Tampa Bay Rays as well. And any K-props that she likes as well. So we're going to be chatting with Ariel in the second segment and in the final segment. Going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Friday as we touch them all. First things first, always do love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. If you've got one or two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind letters here. They mean does not matter. As per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, arable Fire or whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. By That five star review did not really get in any Twitter questions today, but we did wind up having a few games that we need to polish up from a Wednesday, and then we had a great slate of baseball on Thursday. So let's take a look back at it all, try to find some trends, and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. The Yankees lost again on Wednesday, three to two. The LA Angels wind up being able to get it done as. Garrett Cole wanted giving up three runs, two of which were earned. In fairness, he was hurt by a pair of errors. But in that one, it was Mr. Shohei Otani that wound up having his 30th home run season that led the team to victory. And Patrick Sandoval, I mean, the record is not great at 509, but he's been able to do a solid job giving up two runs over the course of seven innings. Jimmy Herget, Jose Quiata, they were able to come in. They were able to get the job done. And then you did wind up seeing Xander Bogarts Grand Slam lead the Boston Red Sox to victory by kind of 6-5 over the Minnesota Twins as Michael Walker has actually really been able to pick up some wins for the Red Sox. He is 10-1 and in his 17 starts, kind of giving up two runs over the course of six innings with a Home run to Luis Arias along the way, and then the late game in that one. The Philadelphia Phillies won by a count of 18-2 against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Their Greg Peterson experience had some good jokes with this one. As Bailey falter, well, he really did not mind faltering. Sixth and a third innings, he wanted giving up a solo run to Jake McCarthy. Sixth home run of the season, as for Tommy Henry, he gave up seven runs over the course of four innings. And literally the only player that took the mound for the Arizona Diamondbacks that did not give up runs, Carson Kelly, as he got four outs out of the bullpen scores. Luis Frias, has a 12.71 71 after giving up seven runs while getting two outs. Joe Mantiply, Kevin Ginko both go an inning, giving up a run. Reyes Bonanta, he gives up two runs over the course of an inning for the Philadelphia Phillies. They wound up racking up 22 hits. They didn't wind up having any home runs, but they went, and I'm not even kidding here, 15 of 29 with Bennett's scoring position. So that was quite the night right there. And as I do this, we do not know how the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Milwaukee Brewers game wound up shaking out. And really, that's the only game that, as I do this, we do not know on, as Craig Peterson experienced out Monday through Friday as... If you're out there on the East Coast, midnight through 3, technically Sunday through Thursday out here on the West Coast, 9 to midnight. So anything that I don't wind up hitting in terms of a recap on this show, I do wind up doing over there. So, we got you guys covered there. Beeson.com slash listen for that. And if there is something that you'd rather hear rather than a recap here in the first segment, because I am not going to be able to do as much with regards to the West Coast games just because I have been moved up in the schedule, please do let me know. Question, comment, segment, idea at GNRs 41, but we did wind up seeing the Mariners on Thursday being able to get it done. against the Detroit Tigers 7-0. to Logan Gilbert, 6 scoreless settings, 9 strikeouts, Matt Brash, Matthew Boyd. Yes, that Matthew Boyd, who used to be with the Tigers at Ben Murphy, all went to school as setting as for Seattle. A pair of home runs in this one. Julio Rodriguez goes deep off of Eduardo Rodriguez. His 22nd home run season, and the Rodriguez crime continues as Ty France winds up getting his 17th home run season for Rodriguez. Six runs, five of which were earned over the course of four innings, including a pair of bombs. And if you to be having the over in this one, and I did... You didn't have any runs until the ninth inning where the Seattle Mariners put up one, so that was relatively brutal. It was Garrett Hill lines three Squirrel of Sang's, Andrew Chaffin, Jose C Cerdo. Both on Squirrel of Sang and the Detroit Tigers couldn't get out of their own way on offense. The White Sox are now two and oh without Tony Russa. Shock, shock, surprise, surprise. Seven to one, they take down the Kansas City Royals. Why Daniel Magnan wound up getting a start after posting up north of a 4-5 ERA with AAA Oma? I have no idea, but he did. He gave up three runs over the course of two and two-thirds innings with the White Sox, getting home run off of him via Andrew Vaughn. 15th home run season at A.J. Pollock. He gets home run number 10 of the season, Anthony Machevich. He winds up giving up two runs in two innings, including that Homer. right Keller gives up two runs in two and a third innings with Colin Sider and Jose Kuas polishing up three outs without getting, giving up a run And for the Royals. O of nine with men in scoring position as Johnny Cueto, a great start. One run surrendered over the course of five and a third innings. Jake Deekman, Renaldo Lopez, both on a pair of outs out of the bullpen. Jimmy Lambert, in and out of the bullpen, and Kevin Dole Graveman, along with Matt Fusser, both give a scoreless inning. The Washington Nationals come from behind. They take down the Oakland A's by a count of 7-5 If you wind up having the under in this one, this one just wound up getting completely toasted in extra innings. 3-3 three three going into the 10th, and then six runs between the two teams at the 10th, as you wound up having for the Washington to the Nationals. Joey Manessis be able to cover the run line as well with his home run to be able to end the game. And, I mean, it's a great story. Journeyman guy who he finally, at the age of 30, has been able to crack the big league level as he winds up going deep as this was just completed another sadness for the bullpen of the Oakland Aces. Norgé Ruiz wound up giving up that home run to Manessis. Four runs, three of which were earned, and two thirds of an inning as Manessis sets home run number seven of the season. He did that for a national team that won four of 18 with men in squaring position as Both starters not too highly regarded of guys and a solid start, Paulo Spino, five innings, gives up one run, that one run being a solo home run to Shea Lengalairs, who winds up getting home run number three of the season, and it was the MLB debut of Ken Waldachuk, who wanted giving up one run in four and two-thirds innings. From there, Joel Piams was able to lend two innings, giving up a run for the A.S. Amal, well, he gives up a run in an inning and A.J. Puck, four scoreless outs and then for the Washington Nationals, their bullpen went to work. Victor Orano Eras Ramirez, Kyle Finnegan, all went to scoreless setting, Carlos Ward Jr., Jake McGee, combined for for an inning and shock, shock, surprise, surprise. Jake McGee gave up more runs, giving up two runs in this one while getting just two outs. And then Hunter RV gave up two runs, one of which was earned in the 10th. So that was a pretty big calamity bef- between two toilet bowl teams. Our DK Nation pick involved a game between two not so toilet bowl teams as we had the Mets and the Mets get the job done by a count of five to three as Queen Kershaw. Good in his first start in about a month. Did wind up walking three guys in the first, but gives up just one run over the course of five innings and then from there, Chris Martin gives up two runs in an inning out of the bullpen. Caleb Ferguson who's been rock solid. He gives up two runs in an inning and Ethan Embry, scoreless setting in for the LA Dodgers. Two of seventh men in scoring position, Justin Turner, was really their main form of offense in this one. As Chris Bassett for the eighth time in his last 10 starts. Lent six plus innings, giving up two runs along the way. Trevor May, Adam they both find a scoreless setting And Edwin Diaz, he came in in the eighth. He did wind up a a run in an inning, but the Mets able to get it done here as they do go two of eight with men in scoring position. The Orioles are just one and a half game out of a wildcard spot. Three to zero, they shut out the Cleveland Guardians. Kyle Bradish, seventh scoreless innings. CNL Perez, Felix Batista from there. Squirrel is eighth and ninth innings. In certainly not the worst performance here from the Cleveland Guardians pitching staff as Shane Bieber, he gets 11 strikeouts. He did wind up giving up three solo runs. Going deep for Baltimore. Ryan Castle, 19th home run season. Cedric Mullins is 12th and Anthony Sandander is 24th as two of those wound up coming in the first inning. From there, he was able to settle down and then Angel De Los Santos, Brian Shaw both lend a scoreless inning, but nothing doing for the Guardians on this night as they wanted up getting just two hits as a whole. The Braves as a $4 favorite. They cover the money line and they Cover the run line because Spencer Strider was incredible. Three to zero, the final. Eight scoreless innings with 16 strikeouts for Spencer Strider, giving up just two hits along the way. Kenley Jansen he manages to not blow this one, gives a scoreless setting in for the Atlanta Braves. This is a good sign. Austin Riley home run now in back to back days, 33rd of the season after he had had just two home runs over the last 30 days combined. And Michael Harris II, he goes deep for home run number 14 of the season. Those both come off of Chad Cool didn't have a great start, giving up those two home runs, three runs in total, of course, of four and two-thirds innings. Bullpen wasn't bad. Justin Lawrence, four outside the bullpen, and Nelson LeMet was able to lend a squirrel setting along with Chad Smith, and then you did wind up seeing the Texas Rangers being able to take it to the Boston Red Sox. This game is just going final as I wind up recording this, but for Texas, they were able to get a big home run off the bat of Adolis Garcia. 22nd home run season as the Boston Red Sox, they continue to have the most deplorable bullpen in the big leagues in Rich Hill. He gives up four runs over the course of four innings. Rangers wind up putting this one over in the eighth inning and John Schreiber, Caleb Ort, they both wind a scoreless inning, but you had Zach Kelly give up two runs in an in inning, and then you wound up having the man that gave up that home run, Eduardo Bazzardo, wind up giving up a home run to Adelise Garcia that pushed the game over, Alex Verdugo, he goes deep off of Glenn Otto his eighth home run of the season as for Otto, gives up three runs over the course of five innings, you wound up having two scoreless innings from there out of AC Tinoco before the bullpen was able to clean that up from there. And With Major League Baseball right now, been interesting to take a look at the way that things have been lying in terms of some of these turtles that... Overall for the season, we have been seeing unders set right around 51.7% of the time. 956 unders to 892 overs. Favorites overall for the season, hitting just below 60%. 1,162 and 780 straight up are favorites, but what has been interesting is taking a look at the home favorites. As they hit a little bit over 60% overall for the season. 729 and 484 as I wind up recording this, but in terms of the 729 straight up wins, 221 instances where the home favorite has not been able to cover the run line. And if you take a look at the last 60 days in Major League Baseball, about 52% of games have wound up going under 378-unders at 349-overs. And in this time span, we have seen home teams wind up having a little bit of a rough go of it on the run line because the home favorites, 284 and 171 straight up, that's 62.5%. But... 80 instances in which at home favorite has not been able to cover the run line, so that's what we're seeing in baseball right now, and that's what we wound up getting on Thursday. Now let's go out to the city of New York, and while the Mets were doing their domination of the Dodgers, we were speaking with Ariel Epstein, does a great job over there at MLB Network along with the Allen Sportsbook. We're going to take a look at Friday's slate. We're also going to be getting a New York state of mind with her on the Mets and the Yankees. That's up next right here on the Baseball Betting Show by myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Baseball
6: Podcast.
4: breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson.
5: And we're back here in Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beats and Family Podcast. And if you hear a little bit of noise in the background, that's because Ariel Epstein, better known as the Prop Queen, she is joining me live right now as she is over there in New York for the Mets versus the Dodgers game, a very, very big series. And, We're going to be talking about that and so much more with Ariel. She does an absolutely amazing job over there at Mob Network. She does a show, the pregame spread. You're able to catch that Monday through Friday on Mob Network, typically towards the afternoon portion of the day. And then on top of that, she does amazing work over there. Yeah, the sports book, taking a look at the game of baseball day in and day out. And for those of you guys that love football, she's getting set for the NFL season as well. And to be able to follow Ariel Epstein on Twitter, that is easy enough. And Ariel, I've seen it. It's always great to have you aboard. Thank you so much for joining
2: me. Of course, Greg. I'm sorry that it's so loud and noisy here at this at City Field, but um, I got invited very last minute, and I didn't want to cancel on you, so here we are. Just a little bit of noise, and the Mets up 5 three at the middle of the eighth.
5: Oh, absolutely. And I absolutely love it because now we're able to take a look at the scene out there in New York because I know by trade, you're a little bit more of a Yankees fan. But just what have you been seeing out of what has been a rambunctious series between the Dodgers and the Mets? No so question. They're going to be turning the page forward for Friday. But I, in my opinion, one of the biggest series of the season and I think it could be a little bit of a preview of what we wind up seeing in like the NLCS or some other form of an MLB playoff matchup. And I do think that when it's all said and done, the Dodgers need to be the favorite out there in the National League. But I think that it is very tight between they, the Mets, who they're battling as we're right now recording this podcast, the Atlanta Braves, maybe even throw in the Cardinals. I think that it is just wide open when it comes to the playoff picture in the National League.
2: It's wide open because there's so many really good teams in the National League. The Mets have the easiest schedule in Major League Baseball after this series with the Dodgers. The Cardinals have the easiest schedule in the entire second half. You still have a really tight race, the National League East title. You have the Dodgers, who are going to have some really tough competition because, realistically, losing Walker Bueller for L.A. is going to be really tough for them in the playoffs, having to match up with having to probably mix and match a lot of their pitchers. While the Mets, they have the best one-two punch in all of baseball. And you can't argue with me that DeGrom and Scherzer are not the best one-two punch in the major league. That's why the Mets are really going to be a tough out for a lot of teams in the playoffs that you can utilize two pitchers through seven innings.
5: Yep, and the man that we wind up seeing go on the bump on Thursday, Chris Bassett. He's really been able to come on for them as well as he's completed six plus innings. I believe now eight out of his last 10 starts. So I do think that that's going to be very important to take a look at it then. The other team out there in New York, I hate to bring it up, but it's one of those cases in which it's been befuddling with the Yankees. They were on pace for so many records towards being a part of the season, and I think it was reasonable to think that they were going to taper off a little bit. I mean, they were threatening like the 27 Yankees at points during the season. You figured that there would be a little bit of regression there, but what have you been seeing on this Yankees team over – I'll call it just since the All-Star break, so the last month and a half, because it just looks like a little bit of a different Yankees team, and of all things, I feel like it's really been the offense that has been struggling more than anything else. The offense
2: recently, yes, because the Yankees have put a lot of their players on the injured list. It's the perfect time to do it. Why not put Giancarlo Stanton on the injured list? Why not rest DJ LeMay, if they're feeling a little banged up? August is the best month to do it. Then get a little more hot in September going into the playoffs, you have some momentum, I said at the All-Star break, the Yankees are going to slump in August. They were so deep into leading the American League East that it just made sense for them to rest their players at the right time. They've got some injuries on the starting rotation. I mean, like, Luis Severino is a rough one. But the Yankees' closing situation is what really concerns me going forward. You really need someone to be a lockdown closer in the playoffs. If you can't rely on anybody you don't have her all this Chapman anymore you're throwing him in middle relief and now he's also on the I.L. with his tattoo problem. Clay Holmes has only had one game back since coming off the I.L. Is he the guy? These are questions the Yankees are going to have to figure out in the next month and a half. If you're going to switch up pitchers roles especially out of the bullpen it's going to be a problem. Pitchers are very routine. They need to have structure. If you're going to keep messing up these pitchers mindsets it's going to be really rough for the Yankees to find the correct chemistry, the correct algorithms, really getting their rotation down pat, not even just starting rotation, but their bullpen as well.
5: Yep, and Clay Holmes was really that guy throughout much of the season. He wanted going on the injury list, and ironically enough, we wound up seeing him for the first time on Wednesday. De Chapman is currently on the injury list due to a bad reaction from a tattoo, which that's just not good right there on so many different fronts, so we shall see what winds up happening with the Yankees moving forward. And I do think that it is interesting to take a look at these teams that turn it forward to what we're going to be getting on Friday as Ariel Epstein does a great job over there at Yahoo Sports along MLB Network. She's joining me right here on the podcast as the Yankees versus Rays game is going to be a big one with Domingo Herman going on the mound against Jeffrey Springs. And right now we're seeing a total of seven, the Tampa Bay Rays. They're between about a minus-120 to a minus-125 favorite end. In terms of where both of these teams are at, I think that this is relatively right. Jeffrey Springs has been one of the better finds all season long. We talk about Clay Holmes, the way that he was able to rise up in the Yankees bullpen, and for much of the season, was able to give them stability. The Rays were in need of starting pitching, and Jeffrey Springs has delivered in spades with them. And for Domingo Ron. I honestly think that he's really been able to round it in good form with the Yankees. One of the best things that has happened for the Yankees here in the second half of the season is that Herman has been able to improve with every single start. I don't know how you wind up taking a look at this game, but I do think that the line is relatively right. I personally want up saying the Rays somewhere in the neighborhood about a minus 115 or so favorite myself.
2: The line's pretty spot on, especially with the way that the Yankees have been playing. The Yankees have the third worst record since the All-Star break. Uh, and the only other teams that were worse were the Athletics and there's one more I'm forgetting, but there was the Yankees have the third worst record since the All-Star break. The Yankees have really been struggling and that's why with the Bats and how they've been kind of on a downward, a downward spiral that it makes sense. Jeffrey Springs as a lefty has been very good. The only way I would approach this game, though, is probably through the strikeout prop. And Jeffrey Springs is a lefty against the Yankees. If you can get an under five and a half on him, that's probably a pretty good deal. The Yankees don't strike out as much against uh the Yankees don't strike out much in general. They have a bottom 15 period against righties and lefties this year. Springs probably isn't going to stay in the game very long. The Rays really do need this series because if the Rays can catch more ground and be within three, four games of the Yankees for the division, we're talking about a whole nother story than being six games out. That's why I could see the Rays utilizing more of this pitcher by committee situation this weekend to throw out the Yankees lineup. The thing is, the Yankees bats are getting healthier. They have Lemayu back out there. They have Stanton off the IL. The Yankees do have more of their sluggers back in the in the lineup, which is what very different than what we saw all of August. I'm in a wait and see mode when it comes to betting on or against the Yankees because in the last week, the Yankees lineup has gotten better as opposed to where it was within the last month.
5: Yep, it certainly has been. A little bit of a rough state of affairs for the New York Yankees recently. And by the way, post-All-Star break, the Detroit Tigers also have only 13 wins. So it's been relatively rough for them as well. So we're able to throw them into that mix. And when it comes to the Tampa Bay Rays, what is interesting is they could be able to sneak up on the New York Yankees and be able to challenge for that division if they wind up having a big series here. But if they wind up losing a few games, All of a sudden, the Baltimore Orioles entering into Thursday, they were just two games out of that final wild card spot, and the wild card teams—the Mariners, the Blue Jays, and the Rays—they were all separated by two games or fewer going into Thursday as well. And this is a got-to-have-it series for the Baltimore Orioles and games that they need to win. They're going to be going up against the Oakland A's on Friday with, ironically enough, former New York Yankee J.P. JP Sears taking the mound for Oakland and. Dean Kramer, taking a look at the Orioles. I'm not sure how you've been approaching the Orioles when they've been at home, but I've noticed that their pitching has had some rather demonstrative home and road splits, and it's been a case where the Orioles starters I mean, have not have been great. Guys like Kramer, who's going to be going on Friday, has been relatively solid. You've seen Spencer Watkins have his ups and downs, but with the Orioles, I think that it's really intriguing betting them from a game game perspective because they've really been able to get it done via their bullpen and being able to get it done in close games.
2: The Orioles are the only bet when they're at home. On the road, I don't trust them. Their home-road splits, like you mentioned, are very drastic. The records are drastic. The pitching's drastic. The Orioles have a top-10 home ERA. On the road, they're bottom-10. That's why you've got to stick to the Orioles at home. If you could get them as a decent-sized dog against a very strong opponent, then you could get the Orioles plus one-and-a-half. I would take it every time they're at home. The problem is that their plus one and a half has now become overly juiced if they are an underdog at home. Then you can take Orioles money line potentially. I like to look at the way the lines move overnight. If I see the line move in favor of the Orioles overnight, it leads me to want to bet them more, especially depending on matchups. If the line's moving against the Orioles, I'll probably stay away. I really just only bet the Orioles, Greg, if they are at home though.
5: Yep, I don't blame you there, and obviously a lot of the plus one and a half with the Orioles, they're starting to dry up when you wind up getting a series with the Oakland A's. They're going to be relatively sizable favorites like we're finding on Friday as well, so unfortunately what has been a big giant cash cow all season long, that is starting to go a little bit by the wayside as well, but... With that said, something that is going to be coming to us as well is what is going to be a very fascinating series out there in Los Angeles as we did this right now. That Dodgers versus Mets game is wrapping up, and now the Dodgers, they have to hit a flight. They have to go back to the West Coast. They're going to be playing against the San Diego Padres with you Darvish going for the Padres, and Dustin May on the bump for the Dodgers. Something that you to mentioning in that Orioles versus A's game is that the Orioles wind up having demonstrative home and road splits, and I think that you'd be in agreement with me. You Darvish, among starting pitchers, he's got some of the most demonstrative home and road splits over the last two seasons, and as a result, we're finding the Dodgers as right around a minus 165 favorite for the L.A. Dodgers. And I do think that the Dodgers should be a favorite here, and I do know that Darvish has those big home and road splits I'm not sure about you, but I think that this line is getting a little bit too chalky, though, at minus 165 on the
2: Dodgers. It just makes sense because of the way that the home road splits like you mentioned are on the Padres starter, U Darvish. U Darvish is an automatic over-outset when he's at home. When he's on the road, automatic fade, and that's been the problem with U Darvish this year. The home road split he's like a sub-2 ERA at home and a ERA above a 3 at, on the road, so that's why, um I mean... It's a big rivalry game. Last year, I bet the Padres on the run line pretty much every time they face the Dodgers. These series are always super close. I really miss the FanDuel odds where they used to give you try bet two, where you could bet for either team to win by two runs or less. Those used to be my absolute favorite in this series. They only give you one run or less now, which is very unfortunate. But, yeah, I just don't trust you, Darvish, on the road.
5: Yep, I do not blame you there. It's been a case with Darvish. Has been tremendous at Petco. On the road, you are rolling the dice a little bit more as we do have Ariel Epsi. He does a great job over there at MOB Network along with the of Sports. Joining me on the podcast and Ariel, we've taken a look at a couple marquee games that we're going to be getting for Friday. And we're doing this as a few games are off the board. I am not sure why we don't have a number in terms of the Miami Marlins and the Atlanta Braves, but if you think that the Miami Marlins are going to score more than three runs, I salute you because they have not been doing much of that thus far this season. So I'd say bank on a little bit of a lower scoring game on that one and bank on a low total. But – In terms of everything that we've got on the board for Friday, has anything been really standing out to you that we have yet to touch upon? Whether it be something that you might want to take a look at overnight in terms of K-Prop or something you might wind up firing in on in terms of like a full side, full total.
2: One team to keep a close eye on is the Arizona Diamondbacks. Look for their team total overs. The Diamondbacks have been averaging just over five runs a game since the All-Star break. It's a team that offensively you wouldn't think to look at. They're a team, to so definitely keep
5: in mind for team total overs. And when it comes to the Arizona the Diamondbacks, picking up some steam going into Thursday, they had won five out of their last six games. And very interesting game as Eric Lauer and Zach Davies a few years ago, I was talking about this with Dario Melendez on the podcast yesterday. He does great work with the Brewers. They were traded for each other. So that adds just a whole lot of spice to this one. So both of these teams are going to have a lot of intel on the other starting pitcher. And typically that leads to a lot of runs in these games as well. So... I do think that that is going to be one to take note of. And it's always worth taking note of your work area because you do an absolutely amazing job over there at MLB Network along with Iowa Sports. I know that you've got a lot on tap, not just for the month of September in baseball, but I know that you're getting things ramped up for the NFL season as well. So let the good people know they're able to follow you on social media and just how they are able to get your work in. What you're all going to be doing in general these next few weeks. Definitely
2: check out the pregame spread on MLB Network Monday through Friday. And also, and that's going to be varying between 3 and 5 p.m. It changes every day. So check out my social media at Ariel Epstein on Twitter and Ariel Epstein on Instagram. Also Yahoo Sportsbook and the Yahoo Sports app.
5: And Ariel does an absolutely amazing job. She's going to be doing great work when it comes to the NFL season. And she's joined me a few times on the baseball betting show. And it seems like every single time she comes on, everything winds up hitting as well. So hopefully that winds up keeping it going. As she's one of the best in the business. Always great to get her aboard. And I mean, she showed how much she is willing to she showed how much she is willing to multitask and just stay committed. As she joined me live from the Dodgers versus the Vets game today. So big thanks to Ariel for joining me right here on the baseball betting show, now part of the VSM Family Podcast. Coming up next, it is that time for the podcast to give me fixed analysis out of her game on the betting board for this MLB Friday as we touch them all.
4: Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson
5: your lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. It is always great to get on the prop queen herself, Ariel Epstein. She does an amazing job over there at MLB Network doing the show pregame spread. You're able to catch her on Yahoo Sports. She does a great job with all of her strikeout props and her MLB plays on there. And then on top of that, I know that she's going to be doing a great job when it comes to the NFL season as well as we're just one Sunday away from that. So Always a pleasure to get Ariel aboard. A big thanks, sir. Now it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Friday as we touch them all. If
0: a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a
5: total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at unit underscore eighty one. We are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we wind up going with the National League games first, then the American League games, any Inter-League games. Those are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy. So without further ado, let's dive into this first game, which is off the board. I don't necessarily know why, but it is off the board. I know one, I know two on the betting board. The Colorado Rockies hit the road face off against the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are in Cincinnati. And the words Bill Belichick as Luis Sessa gets a start for them. And Kyle Friedling on the bump for the Rockies. Not sure why this game is off the board, but I made it a relative pick-em. I was willing to make the Rockies a very, very, very slight favorite of minus 102. So this is pretty much whoever winds up coming out the favorite. I'm probably going to be taking a look at the plus money on the other side. That's the way that I'm going to be playing this one. And I wouldn't say my total at 8.9. So 9 or more is going to be a take on the under. And then an 8.5 or less. I'm going to be taking a look at the over with the Rockies Coming off of a little bit of a tough string, when you wind up playing against the Atlanta Braves, and they go from an evening/slash night game into playing against the Cincinnati Reds, so a little bit of a tight turnaround. But I do like what Kyle Freeland has been able to bring to the table, which is why I made the Rockies the slightest of slight favorites because he's got a 6.10 home ERA, but a 3.62 road ERA. He's been able to keep the ball in the yard on the road, giving up seven home runs at 69 and two-thirds innings. Now, when it comes to a Reds home game, very rarely do I wind up saying a total south of nine and. The big reason for that is that you've got a Colorado Rockies team that they're in right around 40 points lower when they are on the road as opposed to at home. You've got so many of these guys, like a CJ for instance, 24 home runs, 18 of them have come at home. Brandon Rodgers, all but one of his home runs have one coming at home. Randall Gritchik has some very demonstrative home home and road splits. When Randall Gritchick is at home, this guy is hitting right around at 3.27, 2.18 on the road. So, you're able to go down the line, and for the Rockies, they have to around 0.65 home runs per game when they are on the road, as opposed to a little bit over a home run per game at home. So, that does wind up ailing them a little bit, but with the Colorado Rockies as well, they are dealing with a little bit of an injury to Lucas Gilbreth. Brendan Rodgers may be in and out of the fold here as well, but they do wind up getting back Alex Colme for that bullpen. That should be able to help them out. You've been able to get some Good performances out of Daniel Bard. I liked Nelson LeMet in that bullpen as well. And then for the Cincinnati Reds, Got a guy Sessa, I don't think is going to be able to lend a lot of length for one and two. You've got the deadline bullpen in terms of VRA in the big leagues. It's been a little bit better over the past month, but for Sessa, he's made two starts. He's given up a combined three runs in those two starts, but he's only delivered six innings. So that is going to be a little bit of an issue. Sessa, by trade, is just not really much of a starter. So, I mean, this is like, I would call it an opener plus. I think they'll be able to deliver probably like three, maybe four innings, and then you pass it along to Buck Farmer who's got a little bit north of a four ERA. They pick up Derek Loth, the scrap peep. He's actually been halfway decent this season, but Ravier, Sam Martin, Art Warren, Hunter Strickland, Joel Kunal, all these guys were north of a five ERA. And I will say for the Cincinnati rights, you do have a couple guys who are doing a solid job of the upreach base. You've had Kyle Farmer be able to hit a little bit above a 260 for this punch shot that India has been in and out of the fold. But he's been able to do a good job, be able to bat to ball as he's hitting right around 250, Been very impressed by Donovan Solano hitting a 315. You don't necessarily have that one true power bat, but guys that are now getting some opportunities like a Jake Fraley has been able to pound out seven home runs over the course of about 130 or so at-bats. Carl Moran is a good power hitter as well, and now he's coming back in full. So I do think that you're going to be seeing a little bit of scoring in this game. I do think that Friedland is going to be able to do a solid job of holding down a Reds offense. It's looking a little bit different than it did prior to the trade deadline. So it's a spot in which I set the Rockies as a minus 102 favorite, but pretty much looking at whoever I'm able to get plus money on in this spot. And then it's a case in which 8-9 or less looking at the over nine or higher going to be taking a look at it. And under as we go, 903, 904 on the betting board, the Washington Nationals. They're going to be on the road facing off against the New York Mets says, hey, we've got a great name, most likely starting David Peterson, not official for the Mets, but it looks like we're getting the namesake of this podcast, Mr. Peterson going for the Mets and Josiah Gray is going to be on the bump for the Nationals. No numbers up on this game because it is a question mark as to whether or not we are going to be getting Mr. Peterson. But if we do end up getting the man with the great last name, I am willing to set the Mets. Minus 232 on the money line, minus 126 on the run line. The Mets were able to explode late in their game against the L.A. Dodgers for a whole bunch of runs. And they do back up Peterson. Very well in this spot as you've got Starling Marte, who I'm just so impressed with. He's right now hitting a 295, 350 on base. He's really been able to hit for more power recently. And then you got Pete Alonso along with Francisco Lindor both being able to provide 80-plus RBI. Pete Alonso, he's been able to pump out 30-plus home runs. Mark Cannon does a good job of moving the line as he, Brandon Nimmo, along with Alonso I mentioned earlier. They're on their Lindor as well all in between about 265 to 275 at the bottom of the fold. Jeff McDeal has been able to hit above a 300. And for David Peterson the big key for him is going to be limiting the walks because with Peterson he has been giving up right around 4 walks per 9 in innings but what I like about him is his swing and miss stuff has been superb as he's been able to deliver 10.5 strikeouts per 9 innings. Opponents are in just a 227 off of him as he's giving up less than home run per 9 innings. It's actually been a little bit more shaky at home rather than on the road 364 home ERA right, compared to a 283 road ERA and well he gets to face off against the Washington National said things are going straight down the toilet pole for them Luke Voigt has been able to pound out a combined 18 home runs this season and Joey Manessas has been a really good story for this team. A journeyman minor leaguer who's like 30 years old. It's been hitting at 350. So credit where credit is due there. Luis Garcia is able to get on base, but then you've got Nelson Cruz, Cesar Hernandez, Keybeda, Wee, Lane Thomas, all in between about a 230 to a 245. Not a lot of power with any of those guys. The catcher spot has been a little bit of a mess. They're open for a little bit of something out of Alex Cullen, CJ Abrams. They've not been able to pick it up with the bats and it's the Washington Nationals team that they've been using up their bullpen quite a bit recently and they don't necessarily have a lot of great bullpen pieces as you do have Rasmo Ramirez, and Carlo Gortz Jr. posting up a sub 3 2 ERA, but both of those guys wanted getting used up yesterday. Victor Rano north of a 4 5 ish ERA. You've had Kyle Finnegan going to be able to give you some good innings as well, but very hit or miss is what you're going to be able to get out of CCC check-in for Yosiah Gray. They're trying to limit his starts a little bit. This is going to be his first start in about 10 or so days. I don't think they really had any sort of a major injury, but he's a young guy, 24 years old. And the one thing with Yosiah Gray is that he's giving up the deep ball. The 32 home runs that he's given up, that is right now leading the league in for two. In 123 and two-thirds innings, you do the math, he's giving up well over 2.2 home runs per nine innings. He's actually been much better on the road than at home. 6.51 Home ERA and his road ERA, that winds up dipping to right around about a 3-1-1. So he's been able to do a great job. And he's been able to get five out of his seven wins on the road thus far this season. He's still got about 15 home runs in 66 and two-thirds innings. So tells you that he's been very lucky in terms of that. He still has been giving up right around 3.2 walks per nine innings. He's doing for some good luck at him. I do think that he's doing for some bad luck on the road, and I do think that this Mets team that is firing all cylinders should be able to get to him. So, in Peterson versus Gray, set the Mets minus 232 on the money line, minus 126 on the run line. 7.5 or less, I'd be looking at an over 8 or higher to the under because you've also got a Mets bullpen that has been superb with Edwin Diaz being able to lock it down. Seth Lugo, he's been able to do a solid job in the 8th inning for this team. Adam Adovino, Tommy Hunter, both of these guys are providing a sub-250 ERA as well. So, I do think that the Mets should be a relatively sizable favorite if it winds up being someone else for the Mets. Obviously subject to a little bit of change going off of a Gray versus Peterson handicap there. 9-5, 9-6 on the betting board. It is the Miami Marlins. They hit the road. They're going to be facing off against the Atlanta Braves. Another game that is strangely off the board as you've got one Cindy Alcantara is going to be going for the fish. And Charlie Morton is going to be on the bump for the Atlanta Braves. Why this game is off the board, I really don't know. I could see why the Mets game was off the board because we do not know whether or not it's going to be Mr. Peterson. But with that said, this is a spot in which I did wind up setting the Braves as a favorite of minus 138. And I set my total here at a 6.2. A 6 or less, I'm going to be willing to take a look at the over. A 6.5 or higher, I'm going to be willing to take a look at the under because Sandy Alcantara has been a man possessed all season long. This guy, in my opinion, he's got the NL Cy Young wrapped up. He should because he has been that good for the Miami Marlins. He has won seven plus innings in all but three of his last 19 starts. He has given up two earned runs or fewer in all but four out of his last 20. This guy comes in night in and night out and he slings it and he's done it against really good competition. His last start was a complete game in which he wanted up giving up one run against the LA Dodgers. He has performed very well against the Mets. He's had good performances against the Atlanta Braves when he has faced off against them this season as well as against the Atlanta Braves. Two starts, 17 innings. He's given up one earned run. So, yeah, Sandy Alcantara, he's been firing in. He's got a little bit of a worse ERA on the road, 282 compared to a buck 61 at home, but this guy keeps the ball in the yard. Overall, his home runs per nine rate is a 0.5. His walks per nine rate is right around two point two. Abundant two of 205 off of him. It's just absolutely remarkable. And for Charlie Morton, he's been a little bit all over the place right now as he has given up four plus runs and now two out of his last four stars, but in three out of his last five stars, he has given up two runs or fewer. So you're either gonna get really good Charlie Morton or you're gonna get really bad Charlie Morton. And for Charlie Morton has been much better at home rather than on the road. 307 home year compared to a 524 ERA on the road. And has still been plagued by Walks as well as his Walks per nine rate that has been north of three all season long. I will say for Charlie Morton strikeouts. They have certainly been there as he has been able to shell out well over 10 and strikeouts per nine innings throughout the entirety of the season. And I mean, for the Miami Marlins, if they're going to be able to win this game, it's going to be because Sandy Contra gets up two runs or fewer. Because this is a Miami Marlins team that over their last 30 games, they have scored more than four runs twice. This is perhaps the worst string of offense for more than a month that I have ever seen, they don't have a single active player right now that has at least seven home runs. I'm not even kidding, because Asus Sanchez, Ores Soler, Jez they are all currently on the injured list. And that leaves you with Nick Fortes, who's got seven home runs, Garrett Cooper with seven home runs, and that's about it. And I mean, for the credit of Cooper, he's been able to at about a 255. John Birdie's been able to move the line a little bit. And then Joey Wendell reaches base from time to time. But when you've got guys like Drawer Incarnacion, Jacob Stallings, hitting right around 220. And those are some of your, and I air quotes here, better paths that you just know. Where this team is at and for the Atlanta Braves, they've been a little bit cold with regards to their offense as well. Austin Riley had had three home runs over the last thirty games, going into what we wanted seeing yesterday. He's still low half. Michael Harris the second, along with Dan's Swanson and Riley, all in between about a two eighty five to a three hundred. Ron Lacuna Jr. has been able to move the line as well. For the Atlanta Braves, it's been a little bit touch and go in terms of the bullpen because Jackson Stevens he is currently on the injured list. But you've been able to get some good performances all season long out of Dylan Lee, Tyler Bazic both posting up a sub three. 3 ERA. Really like what I've seen as, well, out of column cube sub 3 ERA. Would like to see AJ Mitchell wind up getting back to his quality form. He has been struggling a little bit recently. Kirby Yates seems to be a little bit of a busteroni in terms of that project, but I do think that the Braves they should be a favorite in this spot, but I think that just with the Marlins getting so many innings out of Sandy Alcantara, that winds up limiting the usage out of the bullpen. And so, you're going to see more of your trustworthy guys like a Steven O'Kurt, who's been able to post up a sub-3 ERA. Dome Floral, has been able to do a relatively solid job at a 375. You're not going to be seeing guys like Andrew Nardi and company, so I did wind up saying my total very low it would take a six or less for me to take a look at the over six at prior. Take a look at the under end with the Braves. I feel like they should be a minus 138 favorite in this spot. 907-908. Now we get to the games that are on the board as the Chicago Cubs fit the red faceoff against the St. Louis Cardinals as Jordan Montgomery is going to be on the bump for the Cards. And Adrian Sampson is going to be going for the Cubs. Cubs are a sizable underdog. Anywhere team plus two dollars and plus two fifteen. Meanwhile, if you take a look at St. Louis, and between minus two thirty and minus two forty is your number. Eight to Z total, the over and the under anywhere between minus one hundred five and minus one fifteen. Needed at least a plus two twelve to take a shot on the Cubs, and we're getting there. This has gotten up a little bit too far with Jordan Montgomery. First four starts as the St. Louis Cardinal were absolutely masterful. You did mind up getting lit up in his last start. I do think that he's going to be sort of finding his. Shall we say balance because he's now made five starts ever since coming over in that trade and been able to do a relatively solid job overall at seventy six ERA? I think this winds up going back to his numbers with New York where he was averaging. More around about a three-five-ish in terms of his ERA. Someone that you know is not going to give up a lot of walks. Four walks and five starts since coming over to the St. Louis Cardinals. I think that that will say, but just the contact in general that opponents were making, he was getting a tad bit lucky because overall for his career, this guy that gets right around seven half strikeouts per nine innings. He's up a little bit with the Cardinals. I do think that that has a chance to be able to stick around. He gives up right around one home run per nine innings, and then you do take a look at the flip side for Adrian Sampson, and I was making the argument that he was getting a little bit lucky earlier in the season and. We have seen things regress for him just a little bit. He's given up four home runs over the course of his last five starts across 22 and a third innings. Opponents are at 315 off of him, but he's been very good on the road. 325 road ERA across six starts. He's given up just one home run over the course of 27 and two thirds innings. So that is something that you do like to see. Now, he's made two starts against the St. Louis Cardinals and they've had his number. He's given up seven runs over the course of eight and a third innings in two starts and not necessarily backed up by the world's greatest bullpen, either of the Cubs. They wind up trading away Michael Gibbons at the trade deadline along David Robertson, but he have been able to find a little bit of something out of someone like a Brandon Hughes along with Eric Uelman. Both of these guys have been trusted in for a very good ending, so for Uelman, he has been seeing his ERA go a little bit northward with Hughes. spent more around about a 3-ish ERA. Michael Rucker, he's been able to find his watermark as well. He's been able to do a little bit of a better job, but... The key for the Cubs just being able to move the line as they've been dealing with an injury to Patrick Wisdom. He is currently on the injured list as he's been able to slug out 22 home runs for the team. But Salvador Cabañas, he's been able to give the team over 20 home runs this season. He along with both are registering right around about a 350 on base. You've been able to have Nico Horner do a good job of be able to get on. He's hitting right around 290. And ever since coming over to the Cubs, Mill Reyes under the radar has been able to do a nice job hitting at 275 four home runs over the course of his first 87 at bats. This is a little bit of a breath of fresh. That the Cubs needed, and then when it comes to St. Louis Cardinals, no question. A team that's doing an amazing job of being a foot back to ball as Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, the best one-two punch in any lineup right now in the National League. Both of these guys hitting above a 300, 420 on base for Goldschmidt, a combined 61 home runs, and then Albert Pujols turning back time. Ever since the All-Star break, he's hitting right around a 400. He's been getting a home run every like seven to eight at bats since the All-Star break as well. Tommy Edman, he's one of the best base stealers in all of baseball. He's been able to steal 26 bags, hitting about a 255. You've been able to get some good production out of Lars Nootbaar as well ever since the All-Star break. He has been one of the best hitters in baseball as well. And this is a bunch that they do a solid job despite the fact that St. Louis is a little bit more pitcher-friendly. I'll be able to move the line, especially Brendan Donovan, who's been able to ride right around about a 350 at home as well. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, they themselves have been dealing with some ailments in the bullpen. Ryan Helsley, he is back in the fold for this team, but they're dealing with an injury to Genesis Cabrera. he has been a multi-ending guy. They've been dealing with Packy Naughton being out of the fold as well, JoJo Romero, along with Chris Grant have been trusted in for an example. Both of these guys have been relatively rough this season, though Giovanni Gallegos has been able to do a solid job. He's posting up right around a 3 ERA. I do think that both of these teams are going to be able to generate some runs off of guys that they don't necessarily do the world's greatest job and be able to get strikeouts. So, set my total at 8.2 looking over. Need at least a plus 212, but we'll take a plus price here on the Chicago Cubs. Now we wind up going to the DK Nation pick as we go 9 on the betting board. The Milwaukee Brewers, they're on the road. The golf gets the Arizona Diamondbacks. Two guys that were traded for each other. Eric Lauer goes for the Zach Davies on the bump for Arizona. And Arizona find themselves a very slight underdog. With the Diamondbacks, they're anywhere between even money and minus 105. Meanwhile, the Brooker, anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. 8.5 is the total. Overs is between minus 115 and minus 120. The Unders, anywhere between even minus and minus 105. For Eric Loward, it has not necessarily been the world's greatest run of things ever since he wound up having just a great start to the season in general. And for that matter, he had a really good end of the 2021 season as he's given up 17 home runs in his last 14 starts, but I was talking with Dario Melendez about this matchup a little bit on the podcast yesterday, and I do think that Eric Lauer is going to be able to find it. Set the Brewers more round about a minus 130 favorite, so the DK Nation pick is going to be on the Brewers on the money line. I do think that they're going to be able to get the job done in this spot because, for one, their playoff hopes tell them that they need them too. Now, you know, from... The NFL, when you find yourself in a bunch swing game towards back half of the season, typically it's not because you're that great. And for Lowry, has given up 15 home runs and 69 in a third innings, which that is an issue on the road. But overall, opponents are about a 230 off of him. He's been able to generate right around 8.6 right per nine innings. Walks have been a little bit of an issue, right around 3.4 to 3.5 walks per nine innings. But to ABC himself, on the flip side, he's been averaging right around 3.3 to 3.4 walks Per nine. Now, in his last five starts, really ever since he wanted being able to find his watermark since coming off the injured list. His first start, I tossed that out against Cleveland Guardians, which wanted going like two innings. Ever since that, he has been absolutely tremendous. For the team, giving up seven runs over the course of his last five starts. But he also has one up against the Rockies twice. One of them on a coming at home, the Kansas City Royals, the San Francisco Giants. So He's had some good help with regards to competition. He has also won five and two-thirds innings or fewer in every one of these starts, which means that you're going to see a lot of the years at the Diamondbacks bullpen. A bullpen that ranks in the bottom six in the big leagues in terms of ERA. Joe Mantiply has been able to give you a sub-three ERA, but they're dealing with injuries to Sean Poppin along with... Kyle Nelson. Both of these guys have been two of the better bullpen pieces for the team this season, which means that you leave yourself Nina Dresden, Neuer Mieres, Mark Lanson, Luis Frias, Reyes Bonata, All these guys with North of A4 ERA, Chris Savinsky, with the team, he's had a 7.59 ERA. It's not been terrific. terrific for the Brewers. They are looking to revamp this bullpen a little bit ever since the Josh Hader trade, but Brian Boxberger has been able to do a relatively solid job this season. 275 ERA. Devin Williams over his last 41 appearances. He's given up just three earned runs. Taylor Rogers has been incredibly unlucky. It looks like he's starting to find his own as well. The Milwaukee Brewers are able to crank out the deep ball. They rank in the top six in the big leagues in terms of home runs on a per at basis as you've got a tree of guys that are able to match at least 23 home runs this season, as William Thomas, Rowdy Tellez, Hunter Renfro, they're all in that fold. And while you don't necessarily have that one table setter for the Milwaukee Brewers, at the very least, a traditional table setter, the guy that's starting to become that, Christian Yelich, he's down with the guards of power this season, but at 360 on base, he Renfro, along with Mike Brasso, Jace Peterson, Colton Wong, all these guys are now hitting between about a 253 to a 260. And we were talking about this with Kessad and the way that he's come back up to the big leagues, hitting above a 300. That's been a nice breath of life for this Brewers offense. You've got an Arizona Diamondback team that they average right around 1.3 home runs per game when they are on the road. At home, it's a little bit under a home run per game. Christian Walker has been tremendous, hitting 30 home runs ever since the All Star break. He's been able to hit above a 250, and now you've got more guys with consistency that have be able to move the line. They're giving some starts to their young outfielder in Corbin Carroll. Very small sample size. Not sure what to make out of that. But Joshua Ross, Jake McCarthy, both of these guys. hanging above at 275. Keita Marte, he's been able to buy it at 250 along with Alec Thomas. But still have guys like Sergio Contra Carson Kelly, Geraldo Perdomo that they have not been able to get the job done And I just have my trepidations with the Diamondbacks, Bullpen, and Zach Davies. Very much a pitch of contact guy. I do think that the Brewers are going to be able to light them up in this spot. DK Nation pick. It is going to be on the Milwaukee Brewers, on the money line in this spot. We're finding it. In a relatively pickup territory with the Brewers being a very slight favorite. I did wind up saying my and at an 8.7. Both of these offenses should have a little bit of intel on the other pitcher because, well, there's a lot of familiarity with Davies being a former Brewer and Eric Lauer having being traded for Zach Davies as well and having pitched in the division as well. So gonna be looking at the Brewers money line with the DK Nation pick and also taking a look at the over. 9 11 9 12 on the betting board. The San Diego Padres at third face off against the LA Dodgers. Dustin May is gonna be going for the Dodgers, and you Darvish is on the bump for the pods. The Padres are a sizable underdog. Anywhere between plus 142, plus 155 and, and between minus 155 and minus 165. Your price on the Dodgers 8 is your total. under. Is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even a minus 110. Seeing straight seven a straight half out there as well. That over is minus 120 and the under is even. Now you, Darvish, and we were talking about this with Ariel. He's got some demonstrative home and road splits. I did wind up making sure that those were accounted for in this, but I think that it's went a little bit too far. There's going to be a lot of people banking on the Dodgers not losing three times in a row. Let me tell you this. The Dodgers, they've already lost three times in a row to the Pittsburgh Pirates at home this season. So it is certainly possible. Anything north of the plus 140. I was willing to take a shot on the San Diego Padres. And for Darvish, it's been a little bit of an up and down season for him. But you take a look at the way that you Darvish has been able to pitch overall this season. He's done a very solid job of being able to keep the ball in the yard. Giving up one home run per nine innings. His walks per nine rate. That is hovering right in the neighborhood about 1.7 to a 1.8 now. Those home and road splits will bring him up right now. 229 home ERA compared to a 444 ERA on the road. His home runs per nine rate and the road winds up going up to right around about a 1.1, and opponents varying right around 70 points higher off of him when he's on the road rather than at home. So that is a little bit of an issue. And for Norvish, he has made three starts this season against the LA Dodgers when he combined 18 innings, giving up seven runs, four of which were of the home run variety. So he's given up four bombs this season. And for Dustin May. He has been a strikeout machine. If you take a look at the way that he wound up rehabbing, he looked very good at the minor league level where he was getting right around 13 punch-outs per nine innings. His numbers at the big league level thus far are pretty solid. Buck 64 ERA, 11 innings pitch, and his two starts Also, keep in mind, he went up against the Miami Marlins twice, and I laid it out a few minutes ago that the Miami Marlins have been one of the worst offenses in this stretch that we have ever found. So, you know what? I take those numbers with a little bit more of a grain of salt. And for the Padres, they average a little bit more than five runs per game on the road. At home, it's been a little bit tougher for them because it's Petco Park, and it's very pitcher-friendly, but you've got Brandon Drury, Juan Soto, Manny Machado, all giving at least 22 home runs this season. Trent Grisham has been able to supply some boom with 16 home runs. Batting average has not been there for him, but Awesome Kim. How about the way that he's been able to come on ever since really the beginning of the month of June hitting above a two seventy five for the team. Jose Zucar when he's been out there has able to do a solid job along with both Myers fitting right around two fifty five. So you've got a Padres offense that is starting to pick it up. Guys are able to move the line and they do a much better job of being able to get runs in on the road. Now with the LA Dodgers, you got Mookie Betts and he is just absolutely tremendous. If you ask me right now, he deserves much more love in the MVP market because I mean, he's sitting at two eighty, He's getting 32 home runs at the leadoff spot and He's absolutely tremendous out there in the field. Gavin Lux has been able to move the line as he and Trace Thompson, two guys that you wouldn't expect, are hitting above a 290 for this team. That's Thompson's numbers only with the LA Dodgers, but both of these guys have been great. Freddie Freeman, Trey Turner, both of these guys, they're hitting above a 3 iron, and then you're able to take both of those gentlemen. Max Muncy, you're able to throw in there as well. Will Smith and Joy Gallo, all between 15 and 19 home runs thus far this season, so you've got balance power for this team. Chris Taylor seems to be coming on as well, but there's one Albatross with the LA Dodgers and his name is Craig Kimbrell, and you've got the fear that he might wind up coming into this game. Jake Reed is someone that they're looking for for big innings. So the guys I like in the bullpen guys like A. Caleb Ferguson, Evan Phillips, you're even able to throw in there Alex Vesea. These guys have a sub-275 ERA. They've been able to do a solid job in for the San Diego Padres. If you see Josh Hader coming into the game, you know that it's toast. He's got north of an 18 ERA with the Padres. This is a man that is just completely broken, but Nick Martinez has been very good in the bullpen. Adrian Morejon, he's able to give you multiple innings. It's a little bit of a long guy in about Chrisman. He's been posting up a sub-3 ERA as well. You've been able to get good innings as well out of Robert Suarez. So, I do think that the Padres do have a little bit of value. I think that the Padres are going to be able to put up runs in this game. I set my total at an 8.1. I'm going to be taking a look at the over in this spot. And with the Padres need at least a plus 140 to be able to take the shot. But I think that Hayden's went a little bit too far on this Padres team. I'm willing to take the plus price I'm gonna bet on the Dodgers losing three times in a row, and I'm gonna be taking a look at the over 913-914 on the betting board. The Philadelphia Phillies at the face off against the San Francisco Giants. Alex Cobb is gonna be going for the Giants, and Kyle Gibson is on the bump for the Phillies. You've got a classic pick 'em game here. Both of these teams are as bad as a minus one ten. For the Giants here, I will find them as good as a minus 103. For the Phillies here, I will find them as good as even money. 7.5 to 8 is your total. On the 8, the under is minus 120. The over is even. On the 7.5, the over is minus 115. And the under is minus 105. And I do mind saying my total is 7.6. I've mostly got 8s available, and I would rather have the 8 under rather than the 7.5 over personally. So that is where I'm going to be looking, especially with the Giants. Starting to see some regression in terms of a lineup that they, for the longest time, were in the top 10 in the league in terms of runs per game. And I really had no idea how. I mean, Theriot, Estrada, along Jock Peterson, both of these guys, in between about a 262 and 265. That's nice. And Peterson has been able to give the team 20 home runs, but things were just not adding up on that front. Now, with the Giants, you do have quite a few guys that they're able to move the line. You're able to throw in there Austin Slater, who's been able to hit about a 265. And then you've got Evan Longoria, Luis Gonzalez, Tommy LaSalle allying in that neighborhood about a 243 to about a 255-ish and that's been okay, but it's not like the team has superb power or anything like that. They get a little bit of a home run per game. J.D. Davis is coming over from the Mets has been relatively solid. And what I do like about the Philadelphia Phillies is the way that Bryson Stott has been able to come along. Over the last five weeks, he's been hitting above 275. Kyle Schwarber needs to do a little bit of a better job of hitting for average, but he's been able to crank out 36 home runs this season for this team And J.T. Ryumito. Ever since the All-Star break, he has been one of the best hitting catchers out there in baseball. So he's really been able to come on. You take a look at Ryumito, plus all-star break. He's got a 325 batting average, so he's really been able to do a nice job. Alec bowman has been able to 290 overall for the season ever since the all-star break. He's been hitting above a 300 you got Brandon Marsh, who ever since he wanted coming over to Philly, he's been hitting at 285. so you do have some good matchers for the Phillies, and when it comes to the Phillies, bullpen is a little bit more shaky because Corey Canable. it looks like, is out for the season to throw Anthony Dominguez. He's dealing with an injury, but David Robertson, along with Brad Hand, they're able to shore things up, both of these guys. They've got a sub 250 ERA, and then Connor Brown and the unsung hero, he's been able to give you a sub-3 ERA as well. And for the San Francisco Giants, much of the bullpen is relatively untrustworthy, but you've got a trio of guys in like John Brebbia, Camilio Duvall, Jarlon Garcia. These are guys that have been able to post up a sub-3 ERA all season long. I actually do like their acquisition of Scott Alexander as well. I think that he's going to be able to help them out. And I do think that you're going to be able to get a good start out of Alex Cobb. Alex Cobb has just been very unfortunate in terms of the luck that he's been able to get all season long. It's been a case in which his ERA for the season has been right around about a 3.8-ish. But if you take a look at the fielding independent numbers, it's nearly a full point lower at a 2.93. He's been giving up about a half a home run per 9. And he's 9.3 strikeouts per 9, which that's towards a career high for him. 2.7 walks per 9. And he's been much more supreme at home rather than on the road. 2.86 home ERA, 5.06 road ERA. It's just been a circumstance in which opponents are hanging about a 260 off of him because every single ball in play, it just winds up finding the wrong wrong spot on him. Has really been the case all season long. We're starting to see things iron out a little bit over his last five starts, posting up a three ten year, giving up two home runs over the course of twenty-nine innings. But the San Francisco Giants are gonna be able to get to the other starter and Kyle Gibson, who he himself has been able to shape up a little bit. He's down to about a four oh eighty ERA, but he does have his home and road splits as well. Three seventy one home ERA, four seventy road ERA. He's been able to keep the ball in the yard on the road, right around one home run per nine innings So he's not been able to do too bad of a job there. His box per nine rate, that ever is in the neighborhood about two point seven to two point eight. I do think that both of these guys gonna be able to do a relatively solid job, but I do think that the Giants are gonna be able to get into a little bit of a depleted Philadelphia Phillies bullpen. Do minus saying my total at 7.6. Looking at an under very pitcher friendly ballpark out there in San Francisco. And I do think the Cobb going to be able to get it John One lay up to a minus 130 here with the Giants. As we go 915, 916 on the bank board, the Oakland A's. The third face off gets up Baltimore Orioles. Dean Krummer is going to be going for the Orioles. And J.P. Sears is going to be going for Oakland. Oakland, an underdog of an A-14, team plus 140 and plus 150. Between minus 160 and minus 165, your number on Baltimore. A to Z total over is minus 115. The under is minus 105. Did talk to Ariel about the home and road splits that we're seeing in terms of the Baltimore Orioles, and they are very true, and I am going to be willing to bank on Dean Kramer in this spot because with the Orioles, that has been a team that has been able to get it done all season long with that bullpen behind them, as you've got Felix Batista, CNL Perez, Dylan Tate, Joey Crebio Keegan Aiken, all these guys giving you a 3-2 ERA better end for Kramer. He has been able to do an incredible job recently. Two runs or fewer in four out of his last five starts. He's been able to do a solid job when he's been in Baltimore as well. 3.16 home ERA compared to a 3.30 road ERA. He's been one of the most consistent pitchers home to road on this entire staff, and he doesn't give up a lot of free passes. Right around two walks per nine innings, 0.75 home runs per nine innings. Opponents are going to get to him. He does wind up only getting right around about 6.8 strikeouts per nine innings, and you take a look on the flip side for J.P. Sears. Not a strikeout guy. Right around five and a half strikeouts per nine. And he's very much pitcher contact, but in his time with both the Oakland A's along with the New York Yankees, he's been able to do a solid job. And you take a look at what he's been able to do ever since he wanted getting traded to the Oakland A's. It's been pretty rock solid. 253 ERA. But what I will say about J.P. Sears as well is that he's made quite a few of his starts at home. And Oakland about as pitcher-friendly as it winds up getting, which is why he's given up just three home runs over the course of 43 and a third innings and. With Baltimore, if you take a look at that run line, it's only right around about a plus 120. With the way that the O's have been just playing in general, I don't know if I want to lay the run line. I would rather take a little bit of chalky or money line. Typically, I don't wind up doing that a lot, but I do think that that could be the case here. But you have to be able to see the Orioles as well be able to kick it up a little bit on offense. As Austin is kid, Ramon Urias, along with Ryan Moncastle, up between 15 and 18 home runs. Anthony Santander, he's been able to slug out 23 home runs and then be able to take a look at all four of those gentlemen that I wound up listing off, they have all been able to between about a 243 to a 255-ish. Cedric Mullins is hitting about a 265. Take a look at what you've been able to get out of Ore Mateo. He's banging north of a 250. since the all-star break. and he and Cedric Mullins a combined 57 stolen bases. These guys have been absolutely incredible for the Orioles team. And for the Oakland A's, they're currently dealing with some ailments in the bullpen as it looks like Danny Jimenez is back out of the fold for this team. You've been able to have Domingo Acevedo, Sam Mall AJ Puck all be able to deliver a sub-three. 3 3 era for the team, so that's been solved, but they are missing a few pieces, which is why I did wind up having to talk to them just a little bit, and for the Oakland A's it's just been a case in which you're not getting a whole lot of offense out of this team, you've got Seth Brown and Sean Murphy both being able to supply 17 home runs, but right now, Sean Murphy is the only guy that has given the team at least 20 at-bats this season that is hitting above a 260, actually above 35 at-bats, my apologies, but I mean, man, this is an Oakland A's team that they're not getting on to save their lives, their overall batting average this season, and I'm not even kidding here. It's a 215. I mean boy. You just need a little bit more out of guys like a Jonah Bride, Tony Kemp, Brown who I mentioned a little bit earlier, these guys in between about a 220 to 230 that really don't have a lot of pop. And it's right now a big giant kryptonite for them. I think that J.P. Sears is able to throw a relatively solid game, but I do think that the Orioles do wind up getting to them. I don't want to trust in the Orioles on the run line just because I do think that this is going to be a lower scoring game. I did want to say my total at 7.7. I'm looking at the under, but I just want to lay up to a minus 184 in terms of the Orioles on the money line, so it's going to take a little bit of a bigger money line to go along with this total under. 917, 918 on the betting board. Talk about not taking it under. How about this one? The Texas Rangers they throw it to face off. Gets the Boston Red Sox. Everyone can rejoice. Dallas Keuchel gets the start for the Rangers, and Nick Pavetta is on the bump for the Red Sox. The Rangers are nowhere near a high enough underdog. Anywhere between plus 155 and plus 165. Meanwhile, the Red Sox are anywhere between minus 170 and minus 180. Ten is your total over and under, both at minus 110. And a ten and a half, I guess I would start to consider an under because I mean, it just becomes a case in which they aren't going to throw Dallas Keuchel out there long enough to be able to hit that over. But that said, I set the Red Sox minus two twenty seven on the money line. I'm going to lay a number on the run line, and right now with that run line, you're finding it right around about a plus one hundred five. I think that you've got good value there. I typically am able to find even with the worst pitchers some redeeming qualities that they've got with them. Other than the fact that Dallas Keuchel about six years ago was relatively solid, there's just nothing to be had. And the fact that a baseball team was stupid enough to be swindled into de- giving Dallas Keuchel a start is bad enough, but we've got three now. I mean, how have three teams found enough value in Dallas Keuchel to give him starts? It's amazing! He's got an 8.84 ERA. His strikeouts per 9 rate is 5.5. His walks per 9 rate is 4.5. His home runs per 9 rate is right around 2. This guy is terrible at home. He's terrible on the road. His home and road splits have lingered from Arizona. They have lingered from Chicago. This guy is just no good terrible, and he's backed up by a bullpen that has been a mess as well. As You've got two guys, Matt Moore along with Brock Burke, who have been able to do a relatively solid job as... They've got sub 250 ERAs, but Dennis Santana is posting up north of a five ERA. Credit record is due Osvald Clark. Been a little bit better for the team. He's posting up right around 3.25 ERA. I like the upside of Jonathan Hernandez, but I mean, unless if the Rangers plan on using Dallas Keiko as an opener and even as an opener, that would be really bad. There is just no backing this Texas Rangers team. Meanwhile, for Nick Pavetta, he's got an ERA of a 4.08 over his last five starts, and that's on par with what we've seen out of him for the season. He's got a 4.40 overall ERA, and for Nick Pavetta, he's actually been a little bit better on the road rather than at home the last two seasons. As a matter of fact, by about a full point this year, 3.90. Road ERA compared to a 483 home area. Big thing that has been hurting him is the deep ball. He's been giving up right around 1.4 home runs per nine innings at home with opponents hitting about 45 points higher off of them. And for the Texas Rangers, this is a team that they're certainly able to hit the ball out of the yard as you've got Adelise Garcia, Corey Seager able to throw in there, Nate Lowe and Marcus Simeon, all giving you at least 20 home runs. Seager has really been the main masher for the as He's been able to still out 29 home runs with Seager along Garcia. They're both hitting about a 255 Nate Lowe. He's been able to get closer to a 300. So, it's certainly got enough firepower in this lineup. Matt Mathis has been able to above a 300. Charlie Carverson he's hitting right around 260 and then the Boston Red Sox, with Rosander Bogarts, who had a Grand Slam a little bit earlier this week. He's been hitting above a three you You've got Rafi Devers, Alex Verdugo, along with Christian Arroyo. In between about a 280 to a 290 Devers has really been the guy that has been able to get the job done in terms of the deep ball, 25 home runs before you wound up having Trevor Story coming off the injured list. The only other guy with more than 12 home runs, that's Tommy Pham. As... Story and fam, between 15 and 16 home runs apiece. Still have some liabilities towards the bottom of the fold like Kevin Ploiecki, Frenchie Cordero, but Red Sox lineup, it has been relatively solid in the Red Sox. And got the dead last bullpen in terms of ERA ever since the all-star break, as it has been really bad. Matt Barnes, along with Jershich Familia and Caleb Bort, All these guys are posting up north of a 5 ERA. They're giving Eduardo Bazzardo some innings now. That's not great. Zach Kelly, I don't have a lot of confidence in him. Garrett Woodlock has been relatively solid. Matt Stramm has been able to give you some solid innings, but... This is a spot in which here at the ten I'm willing to take a look at the over. At 10.5, I think we might be starting to get up a little bit too lofty because I do think that Nick Pavetta is going to be able to turn a relatively solid start, but there's no backing Dallas Keiko in this spot. I mean, the only way you're able to back Dallas Keiko is pretty much blind faith at this point. I'm willing to take the Red Sox on the road line to go along with this total over. 919, 920 on the betting board. The Cleveland Guardians they are going to be playing us to the Seattle Mariners. Luis Casio is going to be going for the Mariners, and Zach Polisak is on the bump for the Guardians. Guardians are a home underdog in the spot of anywhere between a 120 to a plus 126. Meanwhile, anywhere between minus 130 and minus 145. Your number on Seattle, 7.5 is the total. Under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even a minus 105. And when it comes to Seattle, I did wind up saying them a minus 136 favorite. So seeing them at about a minus 130 currently at the Westgate, I'm going to be willing to lay that with Luis Castillo. He's been great at being able to keep the ball in the yard, no matter where he's been pitching this season. 285 ERA, 10 home runs, give it up in 116 and two-thirds innings. and him coming over to Seattle, Wanna giving him a little bit of a nice breath of life in general, as in his five starts with the Mariners, right around 284 ERA, his strikeouts to walk rate, and it's been right around five, so he's actually been able to cut down on the walks, which has always been a little bit bugaboo for him in his career. Him being able to get right around 2.7, 2.8 walks per nine, innings, that's relatively solid for him, and Going up against guy and Zach Pulisak that very much a pitch contact guy. He's only going to give you right around about 2.6, 2.7 walks per nine innings, and he's been better at home rather than on the road. He certainly doesn't deserve his 3 and 11 record at a 4.39 ERA. I'm not going to gauge go here. Tell you he's a young candidate, but he's pitched a little bit better than that. He has been giving up right around 1.4 home runs per nine innings, and when he's at home, his home runs per nine rate that drops to right around about a 1.2. But opponents have been hitting about a 2.88 off of him when he has been at home, and this is a Seattle Mariners lineup that they're really starting to find themselves. And Eugenio Suarez, ever since the beginning of the 2018 season, actually leads the big leagues in terms of home runs as he and Julio Rodriguez, a combined 47 home runs this season. Both of these guys between about a 3.28. To a 340 on base, and that you've been able to have Ty France be able to pick up the pieces as he's hitting a 285. Post-All-Star break, he was in a big, giant funk, but take a look at what he's been able to do over the last, we're going to call it 10 or so days, and he's been able to really pick it up. So that is a good sign for the Seattle Mariners team. J.P. Crawford has been a little bit up and down, hitting about at 255 but they get back to Mitch Haniger, a guy that wound up having 39 home runs last season. He's starting to show old forms of what he wound up doing last season and for the Mariners since the beginning of the month of June. This has been the number one team in terms of bullpen ERA. You've really been able to get some good production out of Andres Munoz along Diego Castillo. Ever since the beginning of the month of June, both of these guys were just so awful at the beginning of the season. And for Diego Castillo, he has not allowed an earned run in over a month. You've got Munoz, who has turned into just an electrifying, do-a-little-bit-of-everything sort of bullpen piece that you can use at any time. And then Eric Swanson, Penn Murphy, Paul Seawolf, all a 2.60 or better ERA this season. And for the Cleveland Guardians... Trevor Stevens, Nick Sandlin, both of these guys are posting up a sub three ERA. James Karinchek has been incredible for the and Emmanuel Class A. It lights out closer, but with that said, for the Cleveland Guardians, north of 60% of their home runs have gone to coming on the road this season. For the Cleveland Guardians, overall, this season going into their game against the Baltimore Orioles yesterday, they had a total of 101 home runs. Just 37 of them had one coming at home, so that is a little bit of an issue. Now, what the Guardians do a great job of is being able to move the line. As Josh Naylor has been able to ride around about a 265, he and Andres Jimenez both have 15 home runs. And then Jose Ramirez going into yesterday, he had 26 home runs. But with Ramirez, Amir Rosario, Jimenez, who I mentioned a little bit earlier, Oscar Gonzalez, Stephen Kwan, all these guys are at least a 280 for this Guardians team. So, I do think that they are going to be able to move the line against Luis Castillo. It is a circumstance where I just think that because the ball is going to be kept in the yard, that is going to be a low-scoring game. by 12 at 7.3, looking under. But with the Mariners, want to lay up to a minus 136, want to trust the Castillo here. So, looking at the under and looking at Seattle. 9-21, 9-22 on the betting board. The Detroit Tigers playoffs to the Kansas City Royals. Daniel Lynch is going to be going for the Royals. And... Drew Hutchinson is going to be gone. The bump for the Tigers. The Tigers are anywhere between a minus 107 to a minus 115 favorite. And between even money and minus 105. Your number on Kansas City, 8.5 is your total. Over and under are both at minus 110. And I did wind to say my total is 7.6. I'm going to be willing to take a look at the under in this spot with the Royals. They have been able to get some good production out of Salvador Perez. 19 home runs. He's been eating right around to 300 over the last 35 days. So credit where credit is due. But you do still have quite a few dead bats. In the lineup, like Ryan O'Hearn, Nick Prado, Nate Eaton, these are guys, they're in a 225 or lower. They are the future for this team, but currently they are liabilities. And MJ Melendez has sort of went down the toilet bowl as well. Melendez, 14 home runs, but now hitting just a 221. It's been a rough last month or so for him. Bobby Wood Jr., Salvador Perez, between 18 and 19 home runs. That's solid. And Mike Bassey, it's way at about a 280 as well. But also with the Kansas City Royals, you've got the worst bullpen in the American League. In terms of ERA, whatever Josh Shaman has been out there, it has just been a hot mess. I think that they're just going to shut him down for the rest of the season. But Luke Weaver, Carlos Hernandez, former starters have failed there. Now they're failing in the bullpen with north of a 6 ERA. Jose Kouas, after he got off to a relatively solid start, he's starting to see regression. Dylan Coleman, Scott Barlow posting up a sub-3 ERA, but not a lot of trustworthiness there. But the problem is they're going up against a Detroit Tigers team that, for one, plays in a pitcher-friendly ballpark. And for two, you've just got all sorts of guys for the Detroit Tigers that they're not doing a good job of getting on base, as it is currently the month of September, and Jameer Candelari has 12 home runs that right now leads the way, as Candelario, you're able to throw in there Akil Badu, Cody Clements, Tucker Barnard, all these guys are a a 215, or lower hobby bias as seen his batting average creep on up to about a 225, and Spencer Torkelson is currently at the AAA level, so... Not too terrific there, and for the Detroit Tigers, they've been able to do a very solid job with their bullpen, despite the fact that they do wind a trading away a few pieces at the deadline, like a Michael Fomer. You still have so many guys like Joey Menez, Alex Lang, you're able to throw in there, Andrew Chafin, Jose C. These guys, other than really Lang, have been able to post up a sub-3-5 ERA. We've seen a little bit of regression with Lang, but by and large, it's been a bullpen that has been able to do their job top 10 in terms of ERA, and I do think that this is going to be a case in which we're going to see Drew Hutchinson continue to just roll along. You take a look at what he's been able to do recently, and he's given up a combined five runs over the course of his last three starts, one against the Guardians, against the Rangers, and then against the San Francisco Giants, so relatively good competition with Hutchinson. He's been giving up right around 0.9 home runs per nine innings this season. The big ailment for him has been the walks, giving up right around 3.8 walks nine innings, But he's been able to show that up a little bit recently. He's given up nine walks over the course of his last five starts. So a little bit of improvement there. He is going to be a pitch of contact guy as he's given up right around 5.8 strikeouts per nine innings. On the flip side, Daniel Lynch, he does find up getting right around 8.5 punch outs per nine innings. And you do take a look at Lynch, and he's been able to do a lot of his best work on the road. 4 ERA on the road, 547 ERA at home. He's given up on the road, less than a home run per nine innings. Meanwhile, that goes to about 1.5 when he is at home. Walks have been a little bit of an issue for him as well. see he's been giving up right around 3.9 walks per nine innings, but I do think that both of these guys are going to be able to give a relatively solid start against offenses that they really have been struggling, so I'm going to be taking a look at the under in this spot, and when it comes to the Tigers, i want to put my faith in them. I just don't know if Lynch is going to be able to do a good enough job with his command, as I like what I've seen a little bit more recently out of Hutchinson and Hutchinson also backed up by the better bullpen, so so the Tigers a little bit north of minus 130 favorite. We'll to go Tigers a along with this total under 923, 924 on the betting board. The New York Yankees, they throw in face-off against the Tampa Bay Rays. Jeffrey Springs is going to be going for the Rays, and Domingo Herman is on the bump for the Yankees. And the Yankees are an underdog of anywhere between plus 109 and we're seeing his eyes at plus 118 out there. And anywhere between minus 122, a minus 130 is your number on the Rays. Seventies is the total. The overs between minus 115 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even and minus 105. And I do mind saying the Rays minus 116 favorites. Now that we're seeing the Yankees get up to Plus 118. I am want to fire in on the New York Yankees. Domingo Ramon has actually been able to provide some relatively solid surface for the Yankees, and I think with the Yankees, it's important to take a level headed approach to make sure that you're not taking a look at the Yankees and thinking, oh, they're going to get back to what we wanted to seeing in the first half of the season where they were setting records, but at the same time, taking a look post all-star break and realizing that it's probably not that bad for them either. And take a look at what Domingo Ramon has been able to do. He has given up a grand total of six earned runs over the course of his life, so I start giving up one home run and three walks in that time span as well. Now, length has been a little bit of an issue, but in his last start, seven and two-thirds innings scoreless against the Oakland A's, and Domingo Ramon. He's been able to do a relatively solid job on the road, a 308 ERA. And if you toss out that one bad start that he wound up having against the Houston Astros where he wound up giving up five runs over the course of three innings in his first start of the season, and winds up going down to a sub two ERA. So he's been able to do a relatively solid job there, and he's not giving up a lot of walks as his walks per right nine rate right around about a one point nine. And For Jeffrey Springs, he has been just a godsend for the Tampa Bay Rays this season. They were wondering what to do with the guards of rotation and Jeffrey Springs has picked up the mantle 276 ERA. His strikeouts per nine rate, that is a little bit north of nine and a half. At home, he's got a 218 home ERA compared to a 317 ERA on the road. He has been giving up the deep ball a little bit at home, giving up right around 1.3 runs per nine innings. I think that that's been a little bit of bad luck in general and this is a man that has faced off against the New York Yankees twice this season and done a relatively solid job. 11 innings, giving up three runs, so he's been able to hold down the fourth there in the Tampa Bay Rays. Certainly do have a solid bullpen led by Jason Adam, who has been able to give the team a sub-two ERA all season long. You got Garrett Clevenjore. I don't necessarily trust him, but ever since Pete Fairbanks and J.T. Chargois have come back, both of these guys have been able to do a solid job. Brooks Raley along, Colin Pooch, a pair of guys I do like with Raley being able to give you a sub-two fifty ERA. But for the New York Yankees, despite the fact that the closer spot has been a little bit of an issue, you've still got relatively good arms out there. As we wanted, seeing Clay Holmes come back in that series against the LA Angels. He, Ron Mananacchio, Wani e. Peralta, these are guys posting up a sub-3 ERA. Lou Trevino, ever since he wanted up getting to New York, he's been posting up a sub-2 ERA. You've had Lucas Lutke be relatively solid ever since the beginning of the month of June as well. So, I do think that the Yankees starting to get a little bit undervalued here in this spot. Getting a little bit north of a plus 115 on them, I'm going to be willing to take a shot. I do mind up saying my total at some point too as well. You can't think that the New York Yankees are going to be staying down with their offense for forever. You've got Aaron judge slugging out the 51 home runs. That's absolutely magnificent. They've been dealing with injuries as we mentioned. The guys like John Carlos and DJ up LeMayu, but you saw Andrew Benatendi heading above a 300 overall for the season. Been able to have Isaiah Caner Falafa along Jose Trevino. In between about a 262, 265, Anthony Rizzo has been able to go deep 30 times. He, John Carlos Stanton, when he comes back, along Josh Johnson. These are guys that are going to need to kick it up with the batting average, but with the Tampa Bay Rays, they themselves have had their issues when it comes to being able to get on base as well. Randy Arena, he, and Isaac both have 18 home runs this season, but you take a look at Paredes and then down the line, someone like a Josh Lowe, Taylor Walls, these are guys hitting at 225 or lower. They've been able to get some good production out of Yandy Diaz with a 395 on base. They get back Manuel Margot and Harold Ramirez. Ramirez sitting at 330, and Margot more around to 300. So, that's maybe going to help them out as well, but one of the worst teams in regards to being able to go deep. So, I do think that the Yankees do have some good value here now that we've seen the market really bottom out on them. Wanted to take the 7 over and wanted to take the New York Yankees, getting plus 116 or greater. 925, 926 on the betting board. The Minnesota so the Twins at third face off against the Chicago White Sox. Davis Martin is going to be going for the Sox, and Sonny Gray is on the bump for Minnesota. Minnesota is a pretty sizable favorite. You're going to be getting them anywhere between about a minus 130 to a minus 135. Meanwhile, for the Southsiders, you're going to be getting them in between plus 115 and plus 124, and your number on this game, it is 8. The over and the under are both at minus 110, and when it comes to the White Sox, need at least a plus 122 to get a shot, but we're starting to get to that plus 122, plus 124-ish number, so going to be one to fire in there with the Minnesota Twins. It's a case in which Sonny Gray has been a little bit inconsistent this year, and it's, I ironically enough, Ben, in case of which he's been able to do a better job on the road rather than at home as for Sonny Gray, strikeout numbers are a little bit down this season as strikeouts per nine rate right around about an eight point nine. Typically, he's a little bit north of ten, but he's been able to post up a three fifteen road ERA compared to a two ninety seven ERA at home, giving up just three home runs in forty innings on the road with opponents hitting at two fifteen off of him on the road compared to a two twenty at home. And for Davis Martin, coming off of a relatively rough start against the Arizona Diamondbacks, giving up five runs over the course of three innings, but take a look at what he's done for the season overall—about a four sixty ERA. Now he has been getting tattooed at home. 771 home ERA compared to 329 road ERA. But he's also pitched 11 and two-thirds innings at home. I'm going to chalk this up to being a little bit of a small sample size. His walks per nine rate, it hovers in the neighborhood about a three. ERA, but he also is going to be backed up by a pair of failed starters and Jimmy Lambert to a long three and Aldo Lopez. But posting up a sub-3-2 ERA in the bullpen, both of these guys are able to lend a little bit of length for the Minnesota Twins. Yohan Duran is that guy that's able to give you multiple innings, leads all relievers and. Pitches thrown at 100 plus miles per hour. He's posting up right around two ERA. Michael Fulmer, along with Orde Lopez, will be able to share up this bullpen with Lopez being able to post up a sub two ERA overall for the season, but Emilio Pagan has been a hot mess. Killed Theobar, to his credit, has actually been significantly better here recently. He has given up pretty much one earned run over the course of his last 15 or so innings. That so, has been helping them out. Giovanni Morin is someone I do like, but also with the Minnesota Twins. They're without help by Aaron Buxton, who's been able to give them 28 home runs this season. You do have guys that do a solid job, will be able to move the line. Headlined by Luis Arias, who's been able to 318 all season long and then Nick Gordon, Carlos Correa, Gio Urshela, Jose Miranda—all these guys singing between about 270. 2280 Correa, Miranda, Ore Palanco. These guys are in between 13 and 16 home runs. But Palanco, he's been dealing with a little bit of an injury as well. So it's a bit of a depleted Minnesota Twins lineup. And as much as he had to say with Tony La Russa being away from the team, it's a massive upgrade for the Chicago White Sox. They're 2-0 when he has not managed a bunch. And it feels like this team is just playing with a little bit more urgency. They're playing a little bit more wisely in general. And guys are able to get on base for the White Sox. Problem has been the power. You've got nobody that's got more than 15 home runs for the team as Andrew Vaughn, Jose Abreu, Luis Robert, Gavin Cheats. They're all between 12 and 15 home runs as far this season with Robert. He has been missing for quite a bit, so has hurt the team a little bit, but with the top three guys in Robert, Abreu, along with Andrew Vaughn, only at least about a 285 for this team. Eloy Jimenez is made way to 300 as well, and Eloy Jimenez, in terms of home runs on a bat basis, has not been bad because he wanted missing about half the season, but you all Moncada has been hitting below the middle of those line of 200. Larry Garcia has been a little bit tough as well, but I do think that this is a White Sox team that they're starting to pick it up. And then on top of that, you do have Liam Hendricks along Kendall Grayman out there in that bullpen as well, which I do think that is going to be very key for them. And I think that Davis Martin could be able to give a little bit of better start need at least a plus 122 to take a shot on the White Sox, but one to take the shot here. At Semi-total at 8.7. Sonny Gray's been a little bit inconsistent this season, so looking over as well. 927-928 on the bank board. The LA Angels play us the Houston Astros. Lance McKellis Jr. is going to be going for the Astros, and Reed Detmers is on the bump for the Angels. Angels are an underdog of any between plus 140 and plus 146. Meanwhile, in between minus 155 and minus 165, your number on Houston, it is the total. The under is between minus 110 and minus 115. The over any between minus 105 and minus 110 needed at least a plus 144 to take a shot on the angels. We're seeing the plus one forty five-ish numbers start to creep up. So I'm gonna be willing to trust and read Detmers. and it's been a very bad stretch for the LA Angels ever since the beginning of the month of June. They've been a bottom six team in the big leagues ever since then. And they've been averaging right around about 3.2 to 3.3 runs per game in that stretch. But now you've got Mike Trout back in the fold. He and Choi Otani both 28-plus home runs apiece for Trout over the last two weeks. He has been able to slug out five home runs. So that has been very tremendous. For this bunch. And then you've got these two gentlemen. You're able to throw in their Taylor Ward as well. In between about a 260 to a 275. Now I will say for Taylor Ward. Since the second half of the season began. Things have went straight down the toilet bowl from. Hitting about a 215 over the last 50 days, but you do have Luis Ranifo. He's been able to about a 270. He's been able to do a solid job. I'll be able to move the line for the team. David Fletcher, since he's come back up to the big leagues, he's looked solid. And for the Angels, they're starting to get some bullpen pieces that are starting to look a little bit better. Ryan Tapera has had a up and down season all season long, but take a look at him post All break. It's been a sub three ERA. Jose Quijada, he's been able to give the team some solid innings. Along Jimmy Hargett, Hargett right around a 270 ERA. So there's a province there. And the long reliever, I may has been good, but you do take a look at Reed Detmers and this guy has been lights out ever since he wound up really getting a little bit of a demotion and then coming back up to the big league level, he has made two starts against Houston and it's looked relatively solid, giving up four runs over the course of 10 innings across those two starts but you take a look at his last four starts, posting up a sub-3 ERA, giving up two home runs over the course of 21 and two-thirds innings and his strikeout numbers. Ever since the beginning of the month of July, a little bit over 10 punch-outs per nine innings overall for the season, that's more around 8.5, so he's been able to do a good job there for Lance McCullers Jr., This is just start number four for the season for him. He's been able to have two very good starts against the A's and the Baltimore Orioles against the Atlanta Braves. It was a little bit tougher giving up three runs over the course of five innings, but I think that this one falls a little bit more into the category of a lesser offensive, say the least. But with that said, with Lance McCullers Jr., always well, has had a walks issue, and he's given up 10 walks over the course of 16 innings this season. Now, the Astros, they do back him up with the number one bullpen in terms of ERA this season, as Brian Abreu, Rafael Montero, Ryan Stanek, along with Seth Martinez. These guys are posting up a sub-three ERA. You've been able to have Ryan Presley do a very solid job in this bullpen as well, but got after. to interpretations there. And when it comes to Jordan Alvarez, he has really been slowing down in terms of the deep ball. He's dealing with a little bit of an injury as well, so might not even be in the lineup as he's had just one home run, I believe, in the last three days. That's been a little bit awful. Kyle Tucker along to Jose Altuve. Both of these guys between 20 and 22 home runs. You've had Alex Bregman really start to get hot for this bunch as well as his on-base percentage overall for the season. Hovering in the neighborhood about a 365, but take a look at him over the last three days. He's hitting a 362 with seven home runs, so he's had his best stretch. Of the season, Jeremy Pena, whenever he's been out there, he's been able to move the line as well. But I do think that you are going to be able to get a good start out of Detmers. Got the fear that Lance McCullers Jr. does not wind up lasting too long into this game. Good news is they are backed up by a relatively solid bullpen. But they might have saying the this total under with the way that Detmers has been pitching recently. And will take plus 145 or greater with the Angels. And we wrap things up with 929-930 9, on the bang board. The Pittsburgh Pirates they play out to the Toronto Blue Jays. Alec Manoa is going to be going for the Jays. And you don't mess with the Johan Oviedo. It's going to be on the moment. For Pittsburgh, well, bookmakers are messing with Johan as they are setting the Pittsburgh Pirates as a plus 205 to a plus 215 underdog. Meanwhile, in between minus 230 and a minus 250 is your number on Toronto eight. 8.5 is your total. On the 8, over is minus 120. The under is even. On the 8.5, under is minus 120, and the over is even. I set my total at an 8.2. I would much rather have an 8.5 under rather than an 8 over personally, but we shall see how this winds up playing out overnight. With you on Alviedo, 320 ERA overall for the season, but this is going to be his first big league pitching appearance in a little bit over a month. And for Juan Oviedo, just throughout his career in general, the St. Louis Cardinals, when he was with them, they won in only about 30% of his starts. They just were unable to get to the window when he was out there. And Oviedo is not the worst pitcher in the world. That certainly is not the case, but at the same time, with Yoan Oviedo, you've always got the fear that he's not necessarily going to last too long into a start because he's got a career walks per nine rate that hovers in the neighborhood about 4.3. You take a look at what he's done at the A level this season, and the overall ERA between the time with Pittsburgh along with St. Louis, right around about a 470 ERA, four walks per nine innings, the strikeout numbers, nine and a half punch outs per nine innings, but at the minor league level, he's coming up over two home runs per nine innings too. There's really not a lot of trusting in Yoan Oviedo in this spot. I actually had him as a downgrade against Tyler Beatty, so that's not necessarily too terrific. I'm going to lay up to about a minus 262 with regards to the Blue Jays, and I'm going to go up to a minus 160 when it comes to this run line because you do have a Blue Jays lineup that they're really good at being able to match. You've got Vlad Jr. He's been able to slug out about 27 home runs this season. He moves the line, hitting about a 280. Alejandro Kirk, Lord Gurriel. They're both hitting about a 300. George Springer, he does an amazing job of being able to give you right around 18 to 19 home runs. And then on top of that with the Blue Jays, their bullpen has been absolutely supreme going up against a Pittsburgh Pirates team that they don't generate a lot of runs. As Jordan Romano, the closer, Tim Meza, David Phelps, Yumi Garcia, they their Anthony Bass. All these guys posting up a sub 3-2 ERA. Now for Alec Manoa, he has been having his struggles a little bit recently, but I do think that he's going to be able to find himself in this start as he's given up 3-plus runs in 3 out of his last 6 starts. But for Alec Manoa, overall for the season, he's been able to do his best work on the road. 255 road ERA compared to 265 home ERA. He's given up a little bit less at home run per 9 innings when he's on the road. Strikeout numbers are a little bit down from last season as he's getting right around 8-0 punch outs per 9 innings, but he's been able to do a good job in terms of limiting the walks around right around 2.1, 2.2 per nine innings. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, I don't know why they're not giving Chase Young starts, but he's been a very good long guy in the bullpen as he's been posting up right around a buck 95 ERA. Will Crow has been able to do a relatively solid job as well, right around a 350 ERA, but Colin Holderman wound up having some issues. He's not going to be available in this game. Robert Stevenson, Juan Ramirez, these are offs that they added to the bullpen along with Manny Benuelos, and all these guys are posting up north of a 370 ERA. And then for the... Uh, Pittsburgh Pirates offense, you do have Brian Reynolds who I've been very impressed with. He's been able to slug out 21 home runs. He, along with Cabrian Hayes, Michael Chavis, Ben Gamble, they're only between about a 242 to a 256, and then Kevin Newman at the top. He's been able to about a 280, but Got a lot of guys that they're not hitting for a lot of average right now. It's Topico Medicano throwing their O'Neill Cruz, Cal Mitchell, Gregory Allen, Jack Wisniewski, Bly Medeiros. All these guys are in a 215 or lower I will say. for Wisniewski when he was out there and he was full go towards the beginning of the season. He was really cranking out the deep ball, but it's a Pittsburgh Pirates team that they play in a very pitcher-friendly ballpark. They've not been able to get a lot generated. Juan Oviedo It's pretty deplorable at the AAA level. I think that it's going to be a long day for the Pittsburgh Pirates. today. is saying segment at an 8.2. I said, we'd rather have an 8.5 under just because I don't think that the Pirates are going to be able to get to the Blue Jays in this spot. So looking at an 8.5 under, willing to take the Blue Jays on the run line, willing to lay up to a minus 160 with that run line. And that'll wrap things up. For the Friday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Beeson family of podcasts, and a big thanks to Ariel Epstein of Yahoo Sports and MLB Network for joining me in the last segment. If you do like hearing from this fine podcast, Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever you podcast Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you, for this podcast, you do have one or two ways we'll fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, d one Keep in mind, letters C M they mean does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Otherwise, ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're a fire, whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Find that five star review coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, and that means I'm gonna be coming at you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.